Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun, and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists, and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy, and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, my friends, and I'm so excited for today's episode. This episode is also sponsored by Lilybod, an Australian-designed activewear brand that is dynamic, modern, high quality, and totally eye-catching. If you're a frequent listener, you might actually notice that this is the first advert we've ever placed in the podcast in nearly three years of being up and running. But I've been wearing Lilybod since 2015, so coming up for nearly a decade. And when I tell you that the pieces from 2015 still look new, I give you my personal guarantee that they work for everything and everyone. And I have 100% faith in this brand. From your healing girl walk to your hit class, from weight training to Pilates, whether you're rushing to collect the kids from school or rushing to get to therapy, or whether you're just sprinting to get your third iced coffee of the day, even though we know we're only supposed to have one, Lilybod has something for everyone. I love how everything matches. It's literally my biggest life hack. Like when you feel down, when you feel stressed, when you feel low, it takes up too much bandwidth to try and put together an outfit. But for me, a matching Lilybod set with a baseball cap is literally my go-to solution every single time. From leggings to oversized sweats through to really cute cycling shorts and these adorable rib tanks, everything fits like a glove and is so flattering. And it's so easy to put together an outfit that you can literally take on the day with whatever that day has in store. But the thing I love the most about this brand, their focus this year is to share the word around how physical health is only one part of the puzzle to feeling your best. Just like we do at Open House, they understand that mental health starts from within and I love that they're the brand that supports me as I navigate this beautiful thing called life. I've selected my favorite pieces from the collection for you, all of which I own, linked in the show notes, and Lilybot is giving you 30% off with the code OPENHOUSE at checkout. And if you're in the house, you're going to get a crazy 40% off too. Now, about today's episode, it's one that I am so excited to share and I honestly wish I had understood about a decade ago. Because I, more than anyone, have been a slave to my nervous system, the addiction to the bad boy, and everything that we're going to talk about today for as long as I can remember. And I mean, it used to be bad. Like, I would get the ick over everything all the time. So much so that sometimes I just didn't even want to date because I was like, ooh, I hate all of you. And then when I did date, I'd just be chasing this crazy ass spark with like really not the right kind of man, but it would feel so good. And I'd be so obsessed with them. And it would be attachment hunger mixed with this crazy ass response from my nervous system. And I'd be like, this, this is it. This is love. And I'd look at my friends with nice guys in nice relationships. And I also would be like, ooh. That is so boring. And I mean, I mean, I mean, let's just take a step back. How beautiful it is to be able to admit your own toxicity 
and be able to say to the world, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. And so I'm going to get to the bottom of it. What's going on in my conscious mind? What's going on in my body? And what I can do to make sure I break that cycle once and for all. And so for me, going on that journey to unpack everything has been incredible. Some of my favorite messages that I get from you guys is when you say that you've learned more from this podcast than in the last four years of therapy. And I truly believe that that's because we are starting to look at life and love from so many different angles that you wouldn't get inside a traditional therapy room with just one practitioner. For me, it's so important that we always start with the conscious mind, understanding our models of love, our beliefs, our cycles, how our caregivers and our family units impacted us. That's the first part of the equation. And that's where we've gone on the Open House podcast so far. But today and in the episodes with Sarah, we get into that second part of the equation. Understanding what is going on in your body, in your nervous system, with your neurotransmitters. What is going on at a chemical and biochemical level every day that is driving this first part of the equation? And what I've learned is that when you start to understand these two sides to the equation, you can understand why you can feel things in your body and why sometimes you can have a conscious understanding of something, but you just can't seem to break it. Personally, for me, stepping into this more somatic therapy space, understanding nervous system regulation, the mind-body connection and our breath and breath work and so much more has also started to explain to me why we can feel emotions so intensely and how intrinsic the nervous system is to so many things as well as how we can start to move these emotions through us. It's also helped me understand so many cycles that I was just stuck in for such a long period of time. Like why chasing someone can feel so exhilarating. Why waiting for someone to text you can feel like bliss and hell all at once. Why the surge of, oh my God, when you do see their name pop up on your phone can hit you so intensely. And how you can feel the anguish of them not texting you in literally every cell of your body. How we can feel those butterflies so intensely before the first date and how years into a relationship, we can just feel everything starting to dull. I think where we're going as a community is really, really special and I'm freaking loving this journey. And I'm so excited for further down the line, us getting into teaching you how to rewire, how to regulate and how to truly change your body at a cellular level, not just in your conscious mind, but also in your body. So maybe these overwhelming longings, feelings, decisions and impulses for people who are bad for us can be something we can leave in the past. Today, we do actually start to get into some of the physical things you can do to re-regulate, to rewire. And Sarah also shares so many different types of techniques and supplements. And the lion's mane that she mentions and that we both swear by as the mental health mushroom is also linked in the show notes for you. I hope you love this episode. I'm so excited for you guys to get some lily bod so we can all go out on our hot girl healing walks together. Let me know if you buy something. And I want to know from you, did this episode give you a crazy light bulb moment around the spark, the ick, the chase, the butterflies, your attachment style, or maybe even infidelity? I love you guys and I will see you on the other side. 
Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast. I am so excited to have Sarah Murphy back with me. She is many things, but today she is coming to us under her umbrella of a biology of trauma expert. She knows so much, has helped so many people heal, myself included. But today we're getting into something fun. We are getting into the biology of why we reject the healthy and the safe and why we chase the toxic. Yeah, we are discussing the biology of why we're attracted to the bad boy. And I think Sarah and I talk about this all the time. We have lived this ourselves. And I think what's so fucked up is that like when you take a step back and you can read about these traits of like emotional unavailability, narcissism, manipulation, silence, hot and cold, like that doesn't sound attractive, right? So why the fuck is it so attractive to some of us? That is what we are getting into today. And the truth is, it goes back to our nervous system. It goes back to our childhood. It goes back to our wiring. And that is what we are going to get into today. We're going to be talking about the spark, the ick, the butterflies, the chase. We love you guys so much. And we're so happy that you are here on this journey with us. So Sarah, hi, welcome back. Let's start with, do you think it's fair to say that this attraction to the bad boy, the spark, the chase, even the ick, do you think it ties back to our nervous system? Hi, Louise. Thanks again for having me on your podcast. And I'm honestly so happy to be here with you to talk about all this information that's just information that everyone needs to know. So it's so important to understand that our thoughts, our actions, everything that we do in this life is driven by our body's biochemistry. And our biochemistry is actually driven by the state of our nervous system. So like that is very important for people to understand, you know, who we're attracted to in our life, how healthy our relationships are, who we chase, who we flee from. This all depends on the state of our nervous system. And, you know, we want to say why. And our nervous system is what dictates the baseline of our hormones and how safe we feel to engage or disengage in our relationships. Okay, wow. So I think what I'm learning from you is that the things that start inside of our body, they basically come up to the surface in like thoughts and feelings and actions, right? So I think there's this sort of misconception that like the mind is in our head, our brain is in our head. And I know that we spoke on our last episode together, which I think was episode 84 about polyvagal theory. And if you guys haven't listened to that episode already, you must go back because it kind of dictates how our nervous system works and what state we're in, like whether we're in fight or flight or freeze or shutdown. You've taught me that these states of interaction and engagement or states of us wanting to go towards something or move away from it is often actually set in childhood. Again, it's so difficult to think like the bad boys we love today, like the wiring was set for them so long ago. But do you think it's fair to say that? Like, do you actually think that our responses as adults were kind of biologically hardwired into us a really, really long time ago? 100% Louise. You know, our attraction for the bad guys started way before we were adults. Our biology literally wires us to know what is familiar, to always avoid pain. And when we're addicted to toxicity and we're addicted to the chase and we're addicted to the butterflies, this begins in our primary relationship with our parents and how our nervous system was formed and regulated when we were infants. 
it's very important to understand that this sets the foundation for our nervous system states. And, you know, therefore our attachments and our attractions later throughout our adult lives. So when our caregiver provided what we needed and made us feel safe and made us feel secure, you know, this leads to a sense of safety and security in our nervous systems. This meant that we had, you know, a healthy, low baseline stress hormone level. And this led to a healthy HPA access, which, you know, our HPA access is actually something in our brain that controls our stress hormones. So this meant that when we attach to romantic partners later in life in a stable, secure way, we felt most safe in these stable relationships because this was what we had when we were younger. And this was the environment that we grew up in. But, you know, on the flip side, if our caretaker failed to create, you know, a secure, a safe attachment to us, or we had a nervous system that predisposed us to sensitivity and stress, our nervous systems became dysregulated as a child. And this means that we even baseline as a child, we had high cortisol levels. We could have, you know, neurotransmitters that are lower than the average person. Uh, You know, we experience low oxytocin levels. You know, it's even showing in the studies that we would have low serotonin transmitters. Even if we don't remember, it means that we would have been children who didn't know what to expect. We didn't feel secure in ourselves. And not knowing what to expect only leads us to, you know, this anxious attachment later in life. But it also makes us chase what's familiar. So our attraction to the chase actually can have, you know, this massive biological underpinning to it. And our nervous system registers our initial attachments as a cocktail of hormones, you know, what seems normal. And this is what we're attracted to. And this could even be what we're addicted to. We seek these types of attachments out later in our lives. I think what I'm learning from you here is like our biology as adults, it keeps us close to what is familiar to what we know. And what we know and what's familiar is like what we knew in childhood, because that was when we were developing. So it's like as adults, we stay close to what we know. So I think that is a really interesting like opening part of the episode is just understanding that foundational piece. And I think it's so interesting there as well, how you mentioned the hormones and how all of this is driven by hormones and neurotransmitters. Because I think so often people message me being like, you know, like this situationship derailed my life or like, I just can't get over him. I can't stop thinking about him. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And the truth is, is that nothing is wrong with you. You are playing out hormonal and chemical and biochemical cycles that were laid such a long time ago. And and this person that's come into your life, they're really just triggering those cycles. So I think it's so difficult to say in the moment because we don't talk enough about how addictive the chase is, right? Like I am here to say, you feel it in your body. Like you need to have that person. You have to have that person. You need them to message you back. Like you need to connect with them. Like it is such an all consuming feeling and you don't feel it in your mind. You feel it in your whole fucking body. It consumes you. It consumes your thoughts. You want to talk about it. You want to talk to your friends about it. You want to look at their Instagram profile. Like it takes you over. And I think that from my reading, what I've learned is this literally can be a neurological addiction. So I think it's so interesting there that you said, like, not only can we become biologically used to, attracted to, but also addicted to seeking out the same types of attachment that we had when we were younger. And I think that 
it's just really important for us to look at these people that come into our lives as being like a flashlight on what is actually going on inside of us because we get so addicted to trying to conquer them that we never actually use this person, the person that we're so focused on as a reflection, as a mirror to really allow us to like look at truly how this is coming from you. So do you think that's fair? And do you think that you can actually get addicted to these feelings of like chasing and wanting and yeah, just like getting consumed by thoughts and feelings? Yes, you're exactly right, Louise. People can become addicted to toxic love. And, you know, these kind of things are never discussed. But what we learn in the biology of trauma is how so many of us are addicted to the roller coaster of feelings that are actually generated by our chemical reactions in our body. You need those hits of dopamine. You need those hits of cortisol. You need that adrenaline. It feels fucking amazing to you. and But not only do you get addicted to these highs and the chasing and the dopamine and the anticipatory release of this dopamine, but in this dysregulated state, we're actually addicted to the stress hormones. This becomes normal, you know? This is our baseline. And until we shed light on that, this is why toxic feels fucking good and safe feels so boring. I'm so excited for people to actually understand this. You know, it really goes back to our attachment styles. And, you know, again, remember, these are formed in our early life relationships. So our adult relationships reflect how our brains and how our neurotransmitter pathways are formed. Oh, I love your passion. I can feel it like coming through the microphone, which is amazing. And I just think this is such an important discussion we're having because it is crazy. And already this discussion makes so much sense. And I think what Sarah and I want to communicate here is like, this can just be moments of attunement. Like when you're crying, like what were they doing? Were they holding you? Were they attending to something else? This is part of why I'm so nervous to have children is because like, the more and more I learn about this, I understand that you can't just hold your baby all the time and be on your mobile phone because that baby is picking up the fact that you are, yeah, you might be holding it, but you are not attuned to it. You are not present with it. You are not connecting with it. You are on your mobile phone. And I just use that as an example because I want you guys to know that you don't have to have been like left in a cot to cry out for seven hours for this type of lack of achievement to happen to you. It can happen in literally micro moments. So I just wanted to bring that in there around like how infuriating it can be to kind of be listening to this and being like, yes, yes, yes. The bad boys, the bad girls, the chase, it all is is like relating to me. But, you know, I don't have these memories of, of this parenting happening to me. I just wanted to ask if there was any literature on this, you know, maybe around like the anxious attachment style, because I know that is so intense, or really just generally around this concept of like love addiction, attention addiction, because it's a really new concept for so many people listening. Yes, there's actually so many studies on how anxious attachment style is basically connected to love addiction, tension addiction, and just addiction in general. With anxious attachment style, the addiction is to the dopamine hits and the stress of the relationship. And, you know, like I said before, Gabor Mate, one of the famous psychologists that both me and you are in love with, says that our neurotransmitters get impacted in childhood by lack of parenting, lack of love, lack of attunement, lack of consistency in toxic environments. This literally changes our neurotransmitters. It changes how our dopamine pathways are formed. It changes how our serotonin and oxytocin pathways are formed. And this affects our ability to feel love. And this 
puts us in this anxious attachment state where we can't self-soothe ourselves. We are dysregulated. And so you know what's going on with this anxious attachment and the addiction to the bad boy and the toxic relationship and the push-pull. A ton of things are happening here. And let me just explain this to you a little bit. So number one, our body stress response starts to make a cocktail of chemicals, you know, norepinephrine, adrenaline, our stress hormone cortisol, and these all go into our bloodstream. And then when this starts to happen, this starts to push our body and our nervous system in this fight or flight state. And, you know, at the same time, we have our dopamine that's pumping into us. And this chemical feels so good in our brain. And then, you know, that stressful situation starts to feel fucking amazing. And so this drives us to repeat the stressful behavior to get more hits of that dopamine. We have to realize that this is like a drug addiction. And so this is why so many of us are attracted to these situations that keep us on edge because these hormones literally are making us feel fucking amazing. And the big thing to point out is if we're starting out with low dopamine, we're going to be searching for that hit and we're going to be struggling the rest of our life to get that love. So we're wired for this. Yes. I feel like you just answered perfectly, like why we repeat these cycles repeatedly. And you know, when people say like, oh, all men are the same, all women are the same. Now I've done this work. I'm able to say, no, they're not. You are just attracting the same one repeatedly because your biochemistry is attracted to a certain type of person. So I feel like you've explained that so well. And I also love how we're exploring this concept of it being like a drug addiction. I think this is when people say like, when they have a situationship that literally derails their fucking life, they can't get their head around it. They're like, but it was only four months. It was only six months. It was only 12 months. Like, I didn't feel like this when I broke up with my ex of two years, five years, 10 years. You feel embarrassed to be shaken to the core by something that like shouldn't be a something. And I feel like just going into that there, you, you've helped us already to understand that this is happening way outside of your conscious mind. Like this is happening in your body. This is cycles just repeating, repeating that you're addicted to. And I, I really think that when we, well, maybe one day these addictive relationships will be categorized in the same way as other types of addictions. Because another thing that I've learned is all addictions are the same, right? You're just having it with a man, with a woman, rather than with a line of cocaine or with a treadmill or whatever. Let's flip this on its head. Let's talk about why Mr. Nice Guy or Mr. Nice Girl feels so uncomfortable for some of us. Okay, first off, I know the situation close to my heart. I've been in serious relationships with the nice guys, and I've had to go through the pattern of getting bored after five, six years when the passion ends. And then, you know, afterwards, I saw myself going in cycles, chasing after the narcissistic and toxic men. And so I just want to let everyone know that this is a learning curve for us all. And I'm very passionate about this because I've been through it on my own. It's so critical for everyone to understand so they can actually understand what they're going through. Okay. And you know, that Mr nice guy when he feels uncomfortable. You know, we always get that ick when the guy's coming on too strong. And why are we grossed out by that? So we have to understand what's actually going on in our body to understand why our mind is actually going where it's going. So understand this, when your body is in fight or flight, subconsciously, we are in this addiction cycle. 
this feels normal to us. We feel boredom and empty and we need distractions. And if we are not stimulated by our stress response, honestly, we can't fucking handle it. So we need to keep our baseline stress hormones up or else it feels fucking unbearable to us. And so to exist in a space where the hormones are below our baseline, safe men are below our baseline. This doesn't feel good at all. So, you know, the stable relationships with no chase, no highs, no conflict, these seem so boring to us. And that no drama feels so boring to us. You know, our subconscious mind is looking for that chemical hit. And again, you have to understand that it's coming from the chemicals inside our body. This isn't our mind. Most of us aren't even aware of this. And this is why we keep attracting the same partners in the same situations. It's the baseline of our stress hormones and the baseline of our nervous system that you really have to understand. Until you truly understand this, we're all going to be attracting the same people just in different human beings because our biochemistry is driven by our partner choice. Okay, so it's so important to understand that stable relationships with no chase, no highs, no conflict, they're going to seem so boring to us. You know, that no drama feels so dull. And you know, our subconscious mind is always looking for that chemical hit. We're not even aware of it. So this is why we keep attracting the same toxic situations. It's all coming from the biochemistry in our body and the state of our nervous system. You know, you're staying close to what feels good to you, but what feels good is actually super toxic. I think it's so important how you explained there that basically like if your baseline of hormones are like up here and the safe and stable guy or girl is down here, of course, that's going to feel like deeply uncomfortable. So you're constantly trying to push them back, either by provoking them, causing drama, trying to push them up to that level. If you can't get that guy up there, because, you know, a safe and stable person, they won't rise to that. They'll be like, yo, this behavior is unhealthy and like, I don't want to be a part of this. If they are unhealthy, then yeah, they'll, they'll jump into that and you guys will end up in that cycle. But if you can't get them to come up to your level... That's why we ditch the nice guy and we go for the bad boy. We go for the toxic. We go for the slightly unavailable. And I think I love that concept of baseline, above baseline, below baseline, like asking yourself, where is your own baseline? That is really, really important. And I guess my question for you is like, do you think it's fair then to say that this spark, the butterflies, the chase, and maybe even the anxious attachment, like, do you think it's all the same? Do you think it all comes from the same attachment trauma that impacts the same nervous systems and the same neurotransmitters and the same hormones? Do you see them as all being the same thing in your practice? Okay. So the spark, the butterflies, you know, it's all the same. This is, you know, a chemical cocktail, a mix of cortisol. You're going to get a hit of adrenaline. You're going to get that dopamine hit. You know, it's all very exciting. There's a little bit of stress in there. There's a little bit of wonder. There's a little bit of worry. And so, you know, if you want to talk about the early stages of the relationship, you know, the main hormones and the neurotransmitters, these are the things that flood our bodies. You know, we're excited, we're stressed. So, you know, here, the Excitement is the adrenaline and, you know, the stress is the cortisol and the hit is the motivation. And that hit motivation, you know, striving for the relationship, that's a dopamine hit. Again, come back to drug addiction, come back to low neurotransmitters. You are trying to get that cocktail spark of a spark of stress, a spark of cortisol. That hit, we're addicted to that hit. But what people need to know is there is a lot of anticipation of the reward, right? Like all of these feelings come from the chase. 
not actually getting the relationship. And I know, Louise, you've recently experienced this with your ex. So maybe you want to just like tell us a little bit more about that in your experience. Yes. And one of the biggest things that I've learned in the past few months is about this anticipation of the reward. You said earlier in the episode, anticipatory dopamine. And what does that mean, right? It means that you don't just have to get the reward. Like you don't have to just get the trophy, get the thing to get the dopamine. You get it also in anticipation of doing that. So say, you know, the rat with the lever exercise, like they would put these rats in a cage and if they would press the lever, like sometimes a pellet would come out and they'd like get a dopamine hit and then they would like press it again and nothing would happen and they press it again and nothing would happen and then they press it again and it would come out. But they were still getting the dopamine hits like in the same cycle, even when the thing wasn't coming out because it was anticipatory. So that explains why this space of like the dating, the chase all fits into this concept of anticipatory. And then when we move past anticipation, what do we get into? We get into the actual reward. And like you said, this is something that I have gone through myself. And I talk about my breakup all the time because we can't understand like how fucking crazy it drove me. And Sarah was like one of my best friends that supported me through that. Like I couldn't function. I was a drug addict in withdrawal. I was not okay as a human being. It took me a very, very long time to be okay. But now what is so fascinating is that all this time, all I wanted to do was hear from him, right? All I wanted to do was hear from him. I couldn't believe he left. I couldn't believe the silence. I couldn't believe that he never replied to the letter I wrote him. Can't believe that he never came home. And then after a while, maybe after a year, I gave up hope. That was never coming. That was never going to come. If it hasn't come in a year, it's never going to come. Okay. So those pathways started to calm down because there was no anticipation of a reward. I knew the reward wasn't coming. Then what happened? The reward fucking came. Boom. The email in my inbox, the text message in my inbox. The reward came right there and then. The request to reconnect, the request to discuss. But not only that, everything that I needed to hear two and a half years ago, he told me, he told me, thank you so much for everything you did for me. Those fucking seven words, that was all I needed to hear to save me from two and a half years of pain, shame, building the narrative around me, really, really building this into like, I'm a fucking awful person because you would never have left me in this way if I wasn't. Now, taking this back to the anticipation, the craziest thing is that I haven't replied I have not replied. And I'm not saying that I'm not going to, and maybe at some point I will, but it's been two months and I haven't replied. Why is that? Because like my brain wasn't running those cycles anymore. It was like, I got the hit again when it came through, I, I, but I didn't need the hit. I got the hit, the hit felt good, but I wasn't like engaging back into those cycles. And actually I said this to Sarah yesterday, Part of why I'm scared to reply is I am scared of opening up those cycles again. The adrenaline, the text, I'm texting him, I'm emailing him, I've sent it. Is he going to reply? Oh my God, he hasn't replied. Oh my God, it's been a day. Oh my God, it's been two days. I never want to go back into the way that I was before. So part of it is a protection mechanism. So I just, yeah, I love this concept of like the reward, the anticipation, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that was the perfect time to drop that in. But I also want to pick up on something you said earlier, which was about like losing the spark. So I know that you were in a really long-term relationship before, like a really long-term relationship. 
And I always say, and I said this on another podcast and Dr. Terry kind of like, she just, she didn't like roll her eyes. No, she never rolled her eyes, but she definitely was like a little bit shocked when I said that I truly like, I'm not sure that I could ever be in one relationship ever for the rest of my life. Like by, by year three, I'm bored. Like by year four, we're not sleeping together anymore. By year four, I want to fuck someone else. And I just want the attention from someone else. I don't even want to fuck them. I just like, I'm fucking bored. Like you're like my brother by year four. Um, And I know that that is dangerous. And it's a very brutally honest thing to say. And the psychologist was like, oh, uh, you know, I could see from her face that she was like, okay, I think you have something you need to (laughs) dig into there. But I just like love your thoughts on that. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So Louise, I mean, the thing about the story that you just said, I mean, I felt it too. And that's why I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I mean, I was in these relationships and after, yeah, year four, all of a sudden it was like, I'm sleeping in the bed with my best friend. I mean, I still had, you know, respect for the relationships and the people that I was in these relationships for, but I don't know, that spark left. And, you know, I really had to do a lot of inner work to understand, you know, my trauma and what I felt love was and, you know, why I just felt boredom. So, I mean, I'm just going to get into that a little bit in terms of the research and what we're seeing here. So, you know, losing the spark and getting the ick actually happens on a biochemical level. You know, this means our cortisol and our adrenaline, you know, stress hormones and the endorphins, these go away. We start the relationship. Everything is exciting. We're getting these stress hormones. We don't know what to expect. You know, hit of dopamine, hit of cortisol. What happens when the person is going to be there for us all the time? What what happens when they are confessing their love to us and we're not guessing that love? What happens when we feel so comfortable that all of a sudden the stress of wondering, do they like me? Are they going to be there for me? What happens when you are not guessing anymore? And that stress goes away. And so all of a sudden, when you think about it on a nervous system state, our nervous system, which when we're dysregulated, when we are in these, you know, the beginning of our relationship, we're stressed and we're dysregulated. But once the years go by, we start to relax and we start to regulate. And what people don't realize if their baseline nervous system is dysregulated, they cannot handle low stress hormones. They cannot handle regulation. Regulation feels unbearable. Regulation feels boring as fuck. Regulation feels like there's something wrong with you. You know, this is why love and chase addiction is like a fucking drug addiction, actually. And so, you know, you need more and more to keep those stress levels up, to keep those dopamine hits up. And you're not getting that anymore when you lose the spark. You know, you're comfortable. That is the spark lost. This is such important stuff we're talking about because I'm very open about how like I've cheated on a lot of my boyfriends in my life. I think when we're having this discussion, it's so, it's making so much sense because I didn't cheat on them because I didn't love them. Like I really did love them. I really did love being in a relationship with them. I really did love them and care for them. And they were my best friend, like always. But now I can look at it. It's like my nervous system was dysregulated and I wasn't able to get that hit from the person that I was with. And then coupled with having my own like wounds and needing attention and validation because I never maybe got them from my father wound issue, I would then look outside of my relationship, not only to get the spark, to get the chase, to get the validation, to get the self-esteem bump. 
And it was very conflicting because it was like, I'm here and I love you. And I don't mean to be hurting you by doing this. And you didn't, most of them didn't even know. But now I look back, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, you just had a dysregulated nervous system that wasn't fit to be in a regulated relationship. Whereas now, as like a grown adult that has a much more regulated nervous system than I have ever done. And people just, even people I've been, you know, away and I come back to Tulum and people comment on how much calmer I am. And you've seen how much calmer I am and how my health anxiety has got so much like less bad than it used to. And I'm just living in less stress hormones, which means that I can love the man that I am with because he has no stress hormones. And it just makes so much more sense. Like if you are regulated, you can be in a regulated relationship. If you are dysregulated, you physically cannot fucking tolerate that. But I'm not going to pretend that I'm like, you know, I'm fully like an angel. Like I still think about toxic relationships from the past and the feelings that they incorporate into my body. And also my partner, he's a man of few words. Like I'm the opposite. He definitely still keeps me guessing because he's not Mr. Like over the top, lovey-dovey obsessed with you. He's very much like he has a, an element of mystery to him. That's just his communication style from his own family trauma in his childhood. But that works for me because it's like I'm in this incredibly safe, stable, regulated, respectful relationship. But there's just a tiny edge that keeps me keeps that bit ticking over. Sometimes I look at him and I'm like, what the fuck is going on in your head? Like, I do not have a clue. So if he was to be like fully obsessed with me, fully open book, how would I feel about that? I don't know. Am I healthy enough to tolerate it? I don't know. I'm just being honest with you guys that like, this is a work in progress and we're going to get into now, like as we wrap up the episode, like how we can start to like change these states. But the final thing is that, yeah, I just want to talk about the ick is like, I've come to the conclusion that there are two reasons that we get the ick. The ick is either just a self-sabotage to someone who's actually emotionally available. So it feels uncomfortable and weird in our body. So we pick consciously on something that they did or they don't like, and we attach those feelings of dysregulation and discomfort onto that feeling. So we get the ick about one thing. That's my first theory. And then the second theory is like, when we're in this space of attachment trauma, we romanticize and we fantasize about someone, right? Or about the thought or the possibility. And it becomes this like vision, like, because we can't get them. They're not there or like, it's it's something out there in our heads. But then you actually see a trait that makes them very human. Like maybe it's their toenail or maybe it's the backpack. You know, I got the ick before because someone wore a backpack. Like what a fucking bitch am I that I like dumped you because you wore a backpack. Like what the fuck? But yeah, like the second thing is like they have a human, they have, they have a human trait. And like all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't like this human version of you. Like I like the, the fake version of you that my attachment trauma has built in my head. So I just love how we're today connecting the dots between like those feelings of discomfort that live within us. I think the ick is when we take those feelings from within and we pin them to a point of like actuality, like outside of us. And I also know that you can get the ick when you are more of like the avoidant attachment style or maybe the other one, which is like fearful avoidant. Now, obviously I can't really relate to that. Although sometimes when I used to get the ick, it was because I was like, ooh, get away from me. Like I'm not ready for intimacy, et cetera, et cetera. I'd love it if you could just talk to me about any experience or thoughts you have on like the ick and like the other types of attachment styles that we don't talk about so much. So 
you know, I'm sure we've all been in those relationships where, you know, it's going so good, it's going so good. And then all of a sudden, you know, things start to get more intimate. You start sharing emotions, you start, you know, it's bigger than sex. And that person gets the ick from that. And the reason why is because their nervous system goes on high alert when someone gets too close to them. And again, that's all rooted in dysregulated nervous system and not being able to handle those stress hormones. And, you know, again, the cocktail of chemicals that are making them flee the situation. And we can, again, put this back into childhood. And people just have to understand that regulation is the key here to get over this situation. So important how we're touching on the other attachment styles as well, because as someone who's more anxiously attached, I definitely sway towards talking about that more. But it makes so much sense how this nervous system dysregulation is just, it just is the same across the board. I think it's so important how we're talking about how this can show up for other attachment styles, because you're right, because ultimately it all stems back to the same thing. It's, you know, discomfort with intimacy, discomfort with safety. It feels uncomfortable, but different attachment styles just deal with it differently. Some people want to pull you close some people want to push you some people want to pull you closer and then run away some people just shut down totally so I think that's so important now I know that we could like basically do a whole episode on this so I think one of the most important things we've learned from today is this concept of the baseline right where are your baseline stress hormones because that really determines what you're chasing what feels comfortable what feels uncomfortable etc etc and I think the other thing that I've learned from you is that ultimately it's your nervous system that drives these hormones and these neurotransmitters like that is a connection that people do not understand and I think the more and more I learn from you we understand the importance of regulating the nervous system because regulating the nervous system regulates the neurotransmitters and regulates the hormones and regulates the stress response regulates the HPA axis etc etc and one other thing that I really want us to go into on another episode is like the concept of ADHD and this baseline because it's something that I'm exploring myself personally and there's so many things that I do that tick under the ADHD like categories of behavior and I know that you have so much expertise in that space. So we will get into that at another point because I know that also really ties into toxic relationships. It's like the perfect vehicle to get those dopamine hits as well. But I think just to wrap up today's incredible episode, I'd love it if you could just talk me through like, where would someone start with this concept of regulation? Okay, so I think the first step is awareness. I think the first step is understanding our traumas and, you know, the environments that we grew up in and what was modeled to us when we were younger and really just understand our baseline and why we are the way that we are. And then once we start recognizing these patterns, it's, you know, we can start doing certain types of therapies that help us regulate. There are things like somatic therapies where you work with the body and you work with movement to move energy out of the body, being in nature is really, really regulating to our nervous system. Having safe community and safe friendships around us, that makes us feel safe. Again, you have to understand that regulation is safety. What makes you feel safe in your life? Um, you know, certain types of music therapies are amazing for our, our nervous system. And we also can't forget that we cannot heal our nervous system when we're depleted. And stress depletes our nutrients highly. You know, you'll see people with nervous system regulation and they cannot heal 
heal the nervous system until they actually start giving themselves nutrients and still they start eating properly and st- until they start giving back, you know, the vitamins and minerals that are depleted in turn in times of stress, we cannot heal. So again, you know, um, attending to our nutrient deficiencies. And then again, we have to support our stress hormones. So if we're always high stress, we're dysregulated, but there are things that we can do. Obviously, you know, look at the stress in your life and, you know, your relationships and all of that and understand where your stress is coming from. And then you can, again, attend to it, you know, attend to the lifestyle start doing ice baths. You know, you can start also taking supplements that can support your stress hormones. And again, like this is, you know, this is my work that like, there are things that you can do and, you know, things that you can start giving your body to lower your stress hormones to get you at a baseline regulated state. Um, Things like Rishi and ashwagandha and lion's mane. I know Louise, you are a fan of lion's mane and I am too. Um, But, you know, these all can help regulate our cortisol levels. And we can also look at, you know, supporting our genetics. I have to say support the genetics because when someone has, there's this gene called MTHFR gene. And when someone has a SNP in this gene, we see this SNP in people with anxious attachment all the time. It's highly associated with anxious attachment. If we don't support this gene with nutrients, we will have low dopamine. We will have low serotonin. People with this gene have lower neurotransmitters than the average person who don't have a genetic SNP in this gene. So there's ways to support this gene as well. We can support this gene with like methylated vitamins. Fish oil is amazing. Vitamin C, vitamin D, probiotics. We got to support our gut to support our brain. Our gut health is our brain health. Our gut is our second brain. So, you know, in order for us to lower the stress hormones, get regulated, we have to support our gut health as well. Um, A a couple more things that, you know, we'll get into uh, again, maybe in a course or another episode, you know, we have to look at gut issues like intestinal permeability. People don't understand that inflammation in the body is inflammation in the brain. Your brain ain't right. Your nervous system ain't right until we support all the inflammation that's coming from, you know, gut infections, parasites, all that kind of stuff. Supporting our neurotransmitters with supplements. There are things that support both low dopamine and low serotonin that we can easily supplement, which if we're chasing toxic relationships to get that dopamine high, if we're feeling low because we're low serotonin, let's supplement and get that dopamine from a healthier source, you know, things like meditation. But like, if we want to look at the supplement wise, we can go for things like rhodiola and bacopa and curcumin. And, you know, there are a ton of different supplements that really, really help to boost our neurotransmitters. So I just think that with this education, we can be getting the high somewhere else and going for the healthier version to make us feel good and to make us feel regulated. Oh, you were on fucking fire there. I love that. You can tell how passionate you are about this. Like it literally was just flowing out of you. And that is incredible. You are so knowledgeable. And I'm always so frustrated by the fact that there's only four Mondays in a month. Like I want to do like seven episodes a week. Like I truly, there's so much to go into. There's so much to help people with. Yeah, there's there's so much that we're going to do together. So guys, please, please, please do stay tuned. There's going to be a lot coming. And I think you just summarized it perfectly. It's about looking to get those hits from healthier ways. And I know that you're a huge fan of like our ability to create our own state 
And that's something that you talk about all the time. And I know that you're working on something really interesting behind the scenes that I'm hopefully going to be a part of as well that we we can help people with. And yeah, like you said, the Lion's Mane, we both worked on that client together. They're incredible. It's been like revolutionary for everyone that's taken it. The messages I get, they're like, my mental health has literally changed. So we'll link that in the show notes as well, because anything that Sarah recommends is the only supplement that I would ever take. Like I will never now buy a supplement off a shelf. I don't even care if it's in Whole Foods. I don't even care if it's in Planet Organic. I will not take it until I've asked Sarah because some of the shit that's going on in these supplements that are very expensive and apparently very good quality is not actually the truth. And there's some things that we should not be taking. So yeah, if you guys are looking for supplements, you know, we'll get into that on another episode. We really want to get into the root causes of anxiety, the root causes of depression, the root causes of panic attacks and phobias, the root causes of ADHD, the root causes of low libido and sex drive and high libido and hypersexualization. Like we have so many things that we're working on at the moment and we're just going to keep bringing them to you. Sarah is now a very fixed and firm guest on this podcast. So yeah please do stay tuned. And I think that's it for me today is just like understanding that you're not just attracted to these fuck boys. You're not just attracted to these people that treat you badly because like you're being stupid or because you're being dumb. Like it is wired into you. It was wired into you so long before you even remembered it. And it was wired into you in a way that we can have compassion for our genetics. We can have compassion for our parents. We can have compassion for everything that we've lived through whilst also just having a level of accountability and ownership to say, I'm 20 years old. I'm 25 years old. I'm 30. I'm 50. I'm 70. It's fucking time now for me to work out what's going on here and to do this differently. You are not destined to live this life forever. Sarah and I are the case studies of that. We've changed our brain. We've changed our bodies. We've healed our pain disorders. You know, like I'm, mine's still a work in progress, but we've healed this shit. You guys can too. And that is literally what we are here to help you with. So Sarah, thank you so much. This flowed so beautifully and I'm so excited for us to keep talking. Oh my God, Louise, thank you so much again for having me on this podcast. And I'm actually so excited for what's to come in the future with us. I know that there's so much information that, you know, could be life-changing to everyone. So again, I am so happy to be on this project with you. And I think we're going to change some lives. We are indeed. And just if you're listening, that's you guys, you are changing your life by listening to this. So deepest gratitude It is our honor to serve you, our honor to help you. And we cannot wait to take you on this journey. So to everyone listening, thank you. We will be back very soon. And if you haven't already, go back and listen to the previous episodes that Sarah and I have done together. I think there's four of them up there now. Please, please share this to your story. If you enjoyed it, if you took value, if you think others will take value and please do share with any friends, family or loved ones directly that you think might enjoy this. Other than that, I love you so much and we will see you very soon.